We're in for a ride today. You can sense it, can't you? Just in our worship, God is up to some wonderful, wonderful things. So just put your hand on your heart. But before you do, I want to just tell you what I felt like the Lord was saying we're going to, He wants to do today. I felt like the Lord was speaking to me all week that this was a revelation that I was to carry that was costly. So I have, I have prayed a certain price and paid a certain price and asked our elders and staff and leaders to be engaged in this. I believe that there's an open heaven for us to embrace on another level. Sometimes it's that season and time. That, that's what today is. And the Lord just spoke to me that he was going to make strategic deposits in our heart for specific assignments that he was going to awaken in very near days ahead. You, you know, we're not like doing this on our own. There are things within you to be awakened. Once those things are awakened within you, you begin to move out. That when, when the Israelites were in bondage of slavery in Egypt, God sent them a prophet. You know why God sent them a prophet? Because a word from God can awaken you to understand you're no longer slaves, but now you're free, and you can move into a place of greater promise if you will embrace what God wants to deposit in your heart. That's what we need. So, Father, we just right now receive that our hearts would be open to what you desire to speak. You want us to live beyond the borders that we've known in times before. You're wanting to take us into wide open spaces, not so that we can just run freely and enjoy uh, how, that, how uh, enjoyable that is for us personally, but, that, but the reason is so that we will take others with us into these places of great freedom. Help us to see that, know that on every level of the call of God in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All the people said, amen. The promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. So I want you, as, you, as something resonates in you today, declare it in agreement. Yes, amen. Accept that over your life, your family, your legacy. Uh, I, it was really interesting as I was pondering all of this, I started thinking, if you've ever had to defend yourself in any type of situation, um, you know it is not fun to get punched and kicked. It's not fun. I used to be this um, kind of a martial arts enthusiast and actually fought competitively for a brief season of time. And when I was in that, I would go into the ring and, you know, you've got this defined area and they would, you know, you bump gloves and look at each other. You'd give the look, you know, and they would say, fight. And then we would go. And I just want you to know it is not fun to be in a fight and get punched and kicked. It's never fun. It's just not. But it's even worse when you don't know you're in a fight and you keep getting punched and kicked. Like, I want to just challenge you to understand the, the battle that we are in. You need to understand it is a battle. Otherwise, you'll grow discouraged when you get punched and kicked. If somebody's told you it's just a religious joyride and life's better if you just devote your life to Christ, then you've been misinformed and you need to understand you're going to get punched and you're going to get kicked, but you can get back up again no matter what comes your way because the power of God is at work and greater is he that is within us than any force coming against from the outside. So this is about a mature faith today. It's about a mature faith. I, I thought about you know, being punched, not, not knowing. Tracy and I, when she was in law school and we had moved from Stillwater to Norman, some say that that was a sanctification process. Some say it was rebellion to move from OSU to OU. But anyway, we were there and, and we would save money to, to go out to dinner. Uh, you know, and we would go eat Mexican food because they give you all the preliminary stuff. And we would eat that as much as we could. And we would buy one meal. And then we would take that one meal home. And we would later share that 
as a second meal. I mean, that was just kind of where we were. And one weekend, we saved up enough money. We were going big time, man. We were walking the walk of big bucks. We were going to go ride the go-karts after we went to dinner. And so we went to this place called The Perfect Swing, and, and we got on these gold carts, and Tracy and I are racing each other, young lovers, you know, in love, and, and there we were. Right? And these three punk teenage kids kept running around, banging into the cart, and, and like, you know, zipping past us. And finally, like, we were about halfway through, and I said to Tracy, I'm going to run with these boys. Do you remember this? I'm going to run with these boys. And, and, and I took off behind them, and I, I mean, I was cutting in, and I, I got, in, uh, got ahead of these three teenage punk boys. And I won. I was the champion. And they called us in, and I pulled in. And as I, I pulled into my place, I reached down to unbuckle. And while I'm unbuckling, I hit the click. And when I hit the click, I almost went unconscious. And, and I thought, what in the world is wrong? And I look up, and the three guys are running. One of them came and punched me in the side of the face when I was not watching. What was I, they weren't happy that I had won the race, I guess. So I just want to say to you, it's not fun getting punched when you don't even know you're in a fight. Like, I thought we were just on a little go-kart joyride, but I, by the time I got my bearings, they were gone, which is probably good, or, or they would have probably punched me multiple times because I would have been chasing after them. Uh, but, you know, in this situation, I, I just felt like this is where a lot of us are in our faith, and I'm going to use that word very specifically, in our faith, not merely our belief. But in our faith, we don't really understand the magnitude of warfare that exists that we've been called and ordained by God to step into. And I believe God wants to help us to understand. So I'm going to say this phrase repeatedly today in the time that we have. When we surrender to Jesus, we go to war. We're fighting an epic battle with eternal consequences. So to make excuses about why you really can't devote yourself to the agenda of the kingdom of God expanding the earth is just not acceptable. Do you agree with those statements? Now, I'm going to say it again. When we surrender to Jesus, we go to war. We're fighting an epic battle. You know those video games that get you going? It's like level to level, and you're like, I can do this, I can do this. It's all make-believe of the real deal epic battle that you and I are born to participate in. We went to see Wonder Woman yesterday, and it was really interesting to me, all the paradigm perspective, and here she is, you know, born of, of the, the woman of the, of the world and the God, and, and the two came together to produce Wonder Woman, who would be the savior of the world. Does that sound like anything anybody's heard, any story anybody's heard? You know why that's born out of the heart of humanity when they're making movies? Because it's the very DNA of God rising up, saved or not, no Jesus or not. This is in the heart of humanity that we come to a posture of embracing Christ, and you and I are the supernatural people of the world. That is our call. That's what God has called us to do. Come on, let that resonate and wake us up to be the warriors that he's called us to. We're not just walking through the world trying to make the world a nice place. This is war. Where we go, we carry an anointing, and the Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. There's the people that don't think straight. When they get around you and experience the anointing in the presence of God, they start to think straight. Do you know who you are? We need to know who we are. 
This is exactly what James is dealing with as he's writing this letter to these believers that are suffering, and he's trying to say to them, this is not just to believe in a certain set of beliefs. This is war, and you need to stir your faith, and you need to believe God for wisdom. And when you suffer, just realize this is normal when you're in a fight. This is normal stuff when you're in a fight. Listen, guys, don't get discouraged when things don't go your way. That's just the enemy trying to deal you a punch or a kick, but he cannot conquer you if you'll not get discouraged and lay down. Don't lay down. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and declare. I will stand firm in my faith. And so James is the author to this letter writing and he, he says this. I love this because he addresses uh, suffering. He, he highlights wisdom, faith, endurance, and devotion to the needs of others. And he starts out, he's pretty direct, isn't he? James chapter 1, right up front. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Isn't that great? Greetings. Consider it pure joy. You're in a fight. Consider it pure joy when the devil bangs you upside the head and kicks you in the gut. Consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I want you to say this last word with me. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Mature. God is calling us to a greater level of spiritual maturity. God is calling us. I'm waiting to make sure our spiritual ears are on. Because you need to hear me say with a declaration of more than just my encouragement to you, you need to hear me say, as a man who's been asked by God to stand before this crowd of people to say, God is calling us to a greater place of maturity in our lives. That is the objective, and that is the goal. Our society tries to, you're going to have to be careful, because the cultural paradigm, the cultural perspective violates biblical theology. And the cultural perspective that you and I live in, it's exactly what I described earlier. Going to a church should not be like going to the movies where I'm entertained enough so that I want to come back and talked into giving so that our budget can sustain whatever it is we're supposed to budget. That's not what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be worship. Church is supposed to be a place where we gather because we're devoted as family and surrendered to Christ. This is the call of God that the church be empowered and inspired, not just to be a gathering entity, but to be a gathering and then going entity so that we can be inspired and empowered to go be everything God's called us to be. And our society has tried, listen very carefully, our society has tried to reduce Christianity to a self-serving religion. Our society has tried to reduce Christianity to a self-serving religion. And what it's done is left prayerless, powerless crowds of people called Christians in our world. And we'll not have any part of it here. It costs what it costs to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It costs, it's expensive to be effective. It costs what it costs. It doesn't go on sale. It's going to cost you everything. There's a cross you have to die on. Are you willing to surrender your all to him? We used to sing it all the time, I surrender all, I surrender all. How many of you know I surrender most is more what it is for all of our lives, but God is going to meet us right where we are and take us deeper if we're willing to go there. 
But we have to let go of our agenda and begin to embrace his agenda. Your next blank, or the, actually the only blank I gave you today to be filled in. We had lots of verses to put on your card. But your blank simply says, it's easy to miss what God is trying to do in us when we get focused on what we want God to do for us. And let's be honest, most of us are focused on what we want God to do for us. And only maturity takes us beyond what we're wanting Him to do for us and allows us to be willing to respond so that He then can do the work He desires to do within us. And if we'll allow Him to do the work He wants to do in us, everything else begins to take care of itself. Everything else, I'm just saying today, hell has gates, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And in that same text of Scripture, the the Bible speaks of Jesus giving us the keys. So hell has gates, big gates trying to hold us back, but heaven has keys, and I'm giving you a key today that opens the gate that allows you to take some territory that you've never been before. If you're willing to take that key and open that gate and extend yourself forward, why don't you give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and let's declare it today. We're going forward. We're not going back, we're going forward. We're not intimidated, we're anointed. I love the way James does this. He just kind of sculpts this in and he goes into the second chapter and he begins to define for us the difference between belief and faith. And culturally speaking, folks, this is the, this is the huge challenge, particularly for people in my role trying to pastor and preach and, and disciple and, and get the church to wake up to this. This is the greatest challenge that I believe uh, exists in our society today, and that's to move people from merely believing to truly having faith. Most people have a faith, and they'll talk to you about the faith they have. Few people live by faith. Most people have been talked into believing in Jesus because it'll make their life awesome and decorated. Right? Some of you bought into that. But I believe that we need to understand God's trying to make us warriors in his mighty army to see his kingdom expand. And so Paul, or James begins to give us this definition, James 2, 14 to 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? He starts to make this distinction for us. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister without clothes and daily food. Uh, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Now listen carefully, verse 19. You believe that there is a God, good. Even demons believe, and they shudder. It's interesting. James gives us a distinction between believing and having faith. What's the difference between belief and faith? Have you thought about this? We've reduced faith in our society to mere belief, and that's not faith. Even demons believe. That's what James is saying was an issue in their day as well. I, I want you to think about what, you know, the, the, most of the time our thought is, I'm going to dream big for God. Are you ready? I'm just going to, are you ready to dream big for God? Like, you ready to dream big, big, dream big for God. You know what's even bigger than my dream for God? God's dream for me. 
What is God dreaming about you? God has dreams. God has dreams. I don't even understand how this all works. God's dreams, God's disappointments, our dreams, our disappointments. Somehow he keeps awakening the dream and it keeps coming back around. And I'm just saying today, I feel anointed by God to declare to you that though things didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out, and though you had a plan that looked a certain way, it was going to do this certain thing, that dream, though it went in a different direction, does not mean the dream is dead. It means the dream is still alive. God is still at work. God is still bringing to pass what God wants to bring to pass. Stir yourself up to believe God. God can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He just needs us to be willing to cooperate. I mean, a life, please hear, but we're talking faith. We're not talking belief. Yeah, I live my life and I believe in God. That's where most Christians dwell. That's not what we're talking about. A life you can live without God's help is not the life God ever intended for you to settle for. If you can do it on your own, then you've not bought into the dream of God. You're going to have to have faith when you allow God's dreams to awaken you. Come on. Many times if we do move beyond belief to some perspective of faith, then we've done so because we've bought in to faith being a tool to more so enhance our very own existence and still suffering the same dilemma of our world being framed around our wants. And God wants to break us beyond that. God wants to take us well beyond that. Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. Jesus died to make you dangerous. God wants to make you dangerous. God wants to awaken his dream in your heart that you become a threat to the enemy. Somebody let it resonate today. Wake up the dream of God that still exists deep within your soul in Jesus' mighty name. When we sur- so what I'm saying is when we surrender to Jesus, we go to war. There's an epic battle with eternal consequences that exists today that you and I are being invited in on and making excuses about why we can't devote ourselves to the purposes of God and expanding the work of God in the earth simply is not acceptable. No more excuses. How many of you know excuses are awful? You hear people make ridiculous excuses. How many of you have heard people make ridiculous excuses? Let's just see. You've heard people make ridiculous excuses. How many of you that just raise your hand, you are capable of making ridiculous excuses? Yes, we are. Excuses many times are just the reasoning behind our rebellion. God is not interested in our making excuses. God is interested in our cultivating faith on a level of great maturity so that we advance and break through. See, this is the thing that most of us don't understand. Your breakthrough awaits your ability to get beyond yourself. I cannot tell you the number of times, countless number of times, people have come to me and said, Pastor, if this happens then I'm really going to whatever that is. If this happens, then I'm really going to go for everything God wants. If this happens, if, if I get a raise, then I'm really going to give. If I get more time, then I'm really going to serve. 
you know, there's a natural law that actually shows up that's born out of the heart of God, and it's a parallel law, and you can't look at the heat and say, or can't look at the fire and say, if you'll give me heat, then I'll give you wood. You can't go to the bank and say, if you'll give me interest, then I'll give you principle. There's a principle here that we need to understand, and the kingdom of God is released by our faith, not by mere belief, but by our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm chiseling away at some mindsets that have kept you from God's very best, and some of you, your breakthrough awaits you to embrace this so that you have a key that unlocks the gate. Are you believing for something that you've not yet seen come to pass? This, perhaps, is the very thing you need to take in your hand and declare, I will no longer step back and excuse myself from believing, but I'm going to step up, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to advance and do everything God's called me into. Come on. Come on. Why don't you celebrate it in for the next service that's going to be here? They need you to help pave the way for them. There are some warriors that are going to be awakened to another level of warfare in the next service when they come in this room. See, we're not just battling for ourselves. We're battling for the next generation. We're battling together as the body of Christ that the church might move forward. It's very interesting. When the next time you read about Job and his whole story, I love this. This is phenomenal because, again, your ability awaits, your breakthrough awaits your ability to get beyond yourself. And this is revealed all throughout Scripture. Job 42.10 says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Have you read this? Like, there are chapters and chapters of Job, you know, navigating through all this awful reaction to terrible circumstances and situations. His own wife said, Job, I'm fed up with God. Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job never had breakthrough because his situation was bad. Are you hearing me? Job finally had breakthrough when he got his mind off of himself and he prayed for somebody else. That's when Job began to experience his, are you ready to experience more? Because this is not just about what you believe, this is about a faith that you have to advance in the kingdom of God. When we surrender to Jesus, we go to war. We're fighting an epic battle with eternal consequences. So making excuses about why we can't devote ourselves to the purposes of God, the expanding work of Christ in the earth, they simply are not acceptable. If we're not careful, we make all these excuses about why we can't obey whatever it is that God has asked of us, and those excuses keep us from advancing into a place of great promise. Before there was the promise, there was the Jericho. And before there was the Jericho, there was the river at flood stage. I mean, you do understand there's these stages of faith and belief that require something of us to go in to the next place that God has in store. This week, I'm going to give you your action point, and it's pretty simple. And it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. But I want to ask you to accept the challenge. Every week, I don't want to just preach sermons. I want to mobilize people. I don't want to just inspire you as a speaker. I want to empower you to know your Savior. And this week, I'm going to ask you, your God's presence for real life, action point of the week, is to read, meditate on, and even memorize these verses of Scripture in Isaiah 58 that, again, speak to what I'm talking about. And we're going to read these por this portion of Scripture. 
It says, is, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? I hope that you make fasting and praying a normal part of your lifestyle. Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast. He set the example. That means there should be times in the course of the week. I invite you on Thursdays. I'm thinking about moving the day to Wednesday. But our, our elders and staff, we all pick a day that we're, we're fasting and praying, at least a meal, just asking God for there to be a release. So I invite you to do that. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry and provide for the poor? I mean, you know, this is all about getting your mind off of yourself and your focus on other people. How many know when you fast, you're hungry? And the, the focus is, when do I get to eat again? I, I missed a meal for you, Lord. I'm hungry. And he's trying to communicate something here. There's a principle of learning to get past yourself, and it's a powerful principle that's demonstrated in our lives even when we're willing to fast and get our focus off of ourselves. Do all these things. Get your focus off of yourself. Verse 8, then your light will break forth. Like, Do you want a breakthrough? Do you, are you really, really understanding today? This is not just about a belief and a hope. This is what James is trying to tell these believers. This is what we need to embrace. It's about moving from mere belief to a warlike faith. Then your breakthrough will begin to happen. Your light will appear forth like, uh, like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you spend yourselves on behalf of others, the hungry, and satisfy the needs of others, the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your noon will become like the noonday. The Lord, I want, to, I want to declare this verse over you as you stand. I want you to be clothed in this verse today as you're just standing to your feet if you're able to stand just standing at attention before the Lord our God. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and you will be... uh, I might have to increase my font size on my phone. I've gotten lost three times today. I don't normally do that. The Lord will heal my eyes now that I'm 50. Somebody believe with me. Have faith. I want to declare... This verse over you, I'm going to start from scratch. The Lord will guide you always. Will you receive it? He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Will you receive it? And he will strengthen your frame. Will you receive it? You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Come on. We just receive it today. We receive it today. Come on, any area of your life that you just need to surrender to him, why don't you do that? Maybe just by by uplifted two hands in this posture, any area that you need to surrender to him. Maybe you're here and you say, "I, I haven't even been serving God. I just need to start by surrendering my life to Jesus. Stepping into that place where he begins to beckon me into a deeper place of understanding what it is to both believe and have faith. Maybe there are areas in your life that you have been making excuses. And today when I said, 
Excuses can easily become the reasoning behind our rebellion. Maybe that hit you and you say, I, I'm going to stop making those excuses. Whatever it is, maybe it's just there's a dream of God that's being awakened on the inside of you. You just want to surrender to that dream. I want to ask if you're in any of those categories, just posture your hands in this place of surrender. And Lord, we surrender to you today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring your promptings that will awaken your perspective in our everyday lives, that we would walk through the course of our day, and we would understand you have called us to minister to, 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 to those in need around us. That looks different for every one of us. If you're in an office space uh, through the course of the week, you're probably not going to find destitute, hungry people, but you will find oppressed people. You'll find people who need the life of Christ that's on the inside of you. But we're constantly walking in a state of looking for the needs of those around us, and God is enlarging us as we are willing to be available to his kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. So come on, let's agree together the Lordship of Christ. As we say this prayer, it's important that we make sure everybody in the room has an opportunity to surrender their heart to Christ. Anytime we gather, if, if you've not prayed this prayer before, let this be a prayer of salvation. If you have, let it be a prayer of Lordship. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. I accept. I need a Savior. In my place of sin, you're my only hope. Lead me, guide me, direct me all the days of my life to surrender more to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.